0: This is still part of this long running sermon series on a master class from the Master about how then we would live. We have done things about prayer and faith and uh, gratitude, all manner of things about living. This morning is a master class in heaven or the resurrection. Luke, the 20th chapter, we begin reading at the 27th verse. Listen then for the voice of the Lord. Some of the Sadducees who say there is no resurrection came to Jesus with a question. Teacher, they said, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife but no children, the man must marry the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. Now there were seven brothers. The first one married a woman and died childless. The second and then the third married her and in the same way the seven died, leaving no children. Finally, the woman died too. Now then at the resurrection, Whose wife will she be, since the seven were married to her? And Jesus replied, The people of this age marry and are given in marriage, but those who are considered worthy of taking part in the age to come and in the resurrection from the dead will neither marry nor be given in marriage, and they can no longer die, for they are like the angels." They are God's children, since they are children of the resurrection. But in the account of the burning bush, even Moses showed that the dead rise, for he calls the Lord the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He's not the God of the dead, but of the living, for to him all are alive. And some of the teachers of the law responded Well said, teacher. And no one dared to ask him any more questions. The Word of the Lord. Been quite a week. So there are a couple consistent critiques of my preaching. One, that I'm fuzzy on hell, and two, that I'm not clear about heaven. Besides being too tied to my manuscript and having annoying habits, still with me? <laughs> and not being practical enough, I don't say much about heaven or hell. A few years ago, a hope saint was concerned that I didn't preach about heaven and gave me a 300 page book speculating on scriptures teaching about heaven. It had been meaningful and helpful for her. She wanted the same for me. A 2021 Pew Research Project revealed that 73% of Americans believe in heaven and 62% believe in a hell. There's little consensus on how you get to either place, but their existence was generally accepted. What do you think? What do you think? What happens when we die? What are we to make of heaven? Marilyn Robinson, in her sublime novel, Gilead, records an old minister writing to his young son. He writes this. Boughton, who's another minister, Boughton says that he has more ideas about heaven every day. He said, mainly I just think about the splendors of this world and I multiply them by two. I'd multiply them by 10 or 12 if I had the energy, (laughs) but two is much more sufficient for my purposes. So he's just sitting there, multiplying the feel of the wind by two, multiplying the smell of the grass by two. I'm reminded of my first night as a counselor at a church camp. I was in a cabin of junior high boys who were making the, no- the sounds that junior high boys make. <laughs> when from out of one dark corner, one of them asked, will there be skateboards in heaven? My answer was something like, skateboards times infinity. Dude, what are we to make of heaven? What happens when we die? The Sadducees asked a similar question. They go to Jesus for an answer about life after death. But rather than honest inquiry, they pose an intellectual conundrum. They ask the equivalent of how many angels can tango on the head of a pin. So, look, the Sadducees, Pharisees and Sadducees, the Sadducees were part of the priestly caste of Israel. They had control over the rituals of the Jerusalem temple which also made them power brokers in the affairs of the state. They were something of a theologically conservative, wealthy aristocracy. And incidentally, when the temple was destroyed in 70 AD, they disappeared without a trace. But the Sadducees didn't believe in a resurrection at the eschaton at the last days. They didn't believe in it. So their question was little more than a trap for this upstart rabbi from the Galilean hills. They're looking to ensnare or embarrass Jesus by asking a mostly contrived question about the mechanics of the resurrection and the nature of the afterlife. So a little background is helpful here. Leverite marriage, L-E-I have no idea how to pronounce this, L-E-V-I, R-A-T-E, Leverite, Leverite. Leverite marriage, where a deceased man's brother is obligated to marry his brother's widow, and the widow is obligated to marry her deceased husband's brother is prescribed in Deuteronomy. It's a law in the Bible. Gulp. In some ways, the law protected the welfare of the widow. She wasn't adrift without property or income. But it also underlines that women were a kind of property And their identity was measured by who they married and their value by the children that they bore. And the Sadducees assumed that if there was a resurrection or a heaven, it would simply be an extension of this present reality. So their question about what to do with this wife of seven dead brothers is meant to wedge Jesus into a dark, befuddled corner. But Jesus turns their question on its head. Jesus responds that their assumptions are dead wrong. It's not this world resuscitated... It's not this world restarted. It's not this world reincarnated or or without an expiration date. It's this world resurrected. It's this world transformed. It's this world turned upside down. It's a whole new world. And our categories imaginations, and ideas of multiplication don't hold up. Jesus disarms the Sadducees with a different assumption about the nature of the resurrection. You're still with me? Because the point that Jesus makes is not that we won't know our spouses post-resurrection. Rather, the very premise for marriage where women are property and their worth is connected to progeny is dismantled. In a resurrected world, there will be no need for leverant laws for there will be no death. Again, our categories, imaginations, and questions don't hold up because reality is different in the light of the resurrection. In the words of William Willimon, and I love this, but in the words of William Willimon, we really trivialize the resurrection if we characterize the resurrection as mainly an affirmation that, because Jesus was raised, we're guaranteed that we shall all go to heaven when we die. That makes the great cosmic reversal of everything in the resurrection into a matter of individual immortality rather than the world-shattering, cataclysmic event that the resurrection of the body really means. Let's just read that again and let that sink in. That makes the great cosmic reversal of everything in the resurrection into a matter for individual immortality rather than the world-shattering, cataclysmic event that the resurrection of the body really means. Dear friends, the answer that the Gospels provide to what happens after we die is not a tale about our immortal souls or the continuation of our spirits or recycling or reincarnation or skateboards times infinity. No, the mysterium tremendum, the profound mystery is, is the resurrection. It's not simply that dead Jesus was alive again on Easter morning, but it's that the fabric, the very nature of the world is changed. The Apostle Paul writes that the resurrection of Jesus is the first fruits of a great final, triumphant new creation. The resurrection is the down payment. It kicks in the door. It changes the whole game. So into a world where death held the last card, the resurrection of Jesus means that a whole new deck has been dealt. And all the vestiges of death, violence, hunger, Fear, brutality, loneliness, lies, addiction, cancer, all of that is passing. All of that is finally not finality. Death is not the end, resurrection is the end. And in that end, there will be some great shalom restoring resurrection. In the words of Karl Barth, Christianity that is not thoroughly eschatological is not the faith of Jesus. Christianity that is not thoroughly eschatological, that doesn't look forward to the great last day, is not the faith of Jesus. Paul puts it this way. I put my glasses on for Willimon. I should put them on for Paul. For since death came through a human being, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a human being. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But in this order, Christ, the firstfruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him, and then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God, the Father, after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. So dear friends, no matter, no matter what vestige of death you know this morning, no matter what your brokenness, no matter what the enemy, it's not the victor. It's not the final chapter. It's not the last word. No matter the death we all go through, we are children of the resurrection. Our hope is in what comes next. Now, I don't know if that adequately answers questions about heaven still worrying who you're going to be married to. I don't know if that adequately answers questions about heaven. I do know that my cynical, secular friends who read and watch these things think I'm hanging on to magical thinking that doesn't fit reality as we know it. And I do know that my evangelical friends think I've lost my way Because clearly, if you believe in Jesus, your ticket is punched to heaven. After all, Jesus said to the thief on the cross, truly I tell you, today you'll be with me in heaven. And by the way, I have not said that you won't go to heaven. I have not said that we won't go to heaven. I hope that's part, heaven, of creation's resurrected reality. That my parents, who have both passed, are together in heaven, is one of my deepest hopes. But but the emphasis of Scripture, the answer of Jesus, and the heart of the gospel is something radically, wonderfully, and unbelievably different. The hope of the gospel is resurrection. And I don't know how to relegate that to metaphor or moralism or magic. Simply because it seems absurd, and I don't know, I can't make it jibe with the world that I know. What happens after we die? What do you think? What happens after we die? I don't know. But I confess, I hope. I trust. I believe. In the resurrection. And because of the resurrection, everything is different than what it seems. So dear friends, in light of that resurrected reality, without fear and buoyed by hope, come to the table. For here is a foretaste of the resurrected world where there is no longer any hunger or death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away and the one who sits on the throne says behold I'm making everything new children of the resurrection come to the table of the resurrection amen